The San Diego Museum of Man has a secret in its depths. The Baboa Park Museum has more than 5,000 bodies, most of which are remains that museum goers will never see. As the ethics of museums have changed over the years, the Museum of Man is working to return these bodies back to their cultural owners. But for now, the corpses wait in a place called the Willows. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Peter Rowe, you're a general assignment reporter for the UT, and you have a story coming out this weekend about the Willows. The name's spooky, and there's a reason why. Explain. The Willows is a chamber inside the San Diego Museum of Man, and it contains about 16,000 remains from human beings. Uh, They represent perhaps 5,000 to 8,000 individuals. No one's really sure exactly how many people are accounted for in there. But they're everything from bone fragments to skeletons to a handful of mummies. And this isn't an exhibit, right? What what is this exactly, and what does it serve? Yeah, it's really more of a... um, kind of a sanctuary right now. It's a climate-controlled room. No one is allowed access to it unless they are representatives of the cultures uh, that these, these people came from. So what the museum is trying to do now is bring these remains back to the cultures where they came from uh, so that they will have a, a final resting place uh, back home. And uh, certainly as um, kind of the ethics of museums have changed, they've had to act differently. And every once in a while you hear about art or remains being returned to a culture. So why don't you kind of walk us through that shift that's happened over the past several decades? Yeah, this is a fascinating story. I think especially for people like myself, you know, who grew up going to that museum. And we remember seeing... For instance, I do remember seeing the mummified remains of a, a young Peruvian boy uh, on display, and it was kind of, you know, it was one of these things that you would go gawk at, and, you know, you'd get a little chill up your spine and think, oh, my gosh, you know, here's here's a dead person. Um, they had also had on loan for years uh, two Egyptian mummies, and they were on display, too. Um, This was not at all uncommon, and it's still quite common in many museums around the country. However, as you say, uh, museum standards and practices have been changing, and there's a a new push uh, called decolonizing, decolonizing museums. And the idea is that way back in the day, and the, the San Diego Museum of Man dates back to about 1912, Uh, Way back then, um, no one really batted an eye about expeditions that were going to other cultures and coming back with, you know, uh, bodies, um, skeletons, uh, burial shrouds, uh, things, uh, maybe some relics that people were buried with, and putting them on display. So the thinking now is, well, wait a minute, you know, you wouldn't do that with your grandfather or your grandmother or great, great, great. Um, You wouldn't put them on display. You would want them to be buried. You would want them to be treated the way the dead are treated in your culture. Mm -hmm. There's also an argument that while the San Diego Museum of Man 
acquired these artifacts legally. They went through proper channels. They, they make a point saying, hey, you know, you might be hearing about grave robbing. That wasn't us. They didn't do that. Uh, but uh, at the time, you know, they were dealing with government agencies who may or may not have had the best interests of these cultures uh, at heart. And also in the United States uh, with Indian tribes, uh, many of the tribes were destitute and really had very little choice if someone was coming in and saying, you know, I'll pay you $10 for your, your uh, loved one's remains. Um, mm-hmm. It might be a choice between taking the money or, or letting your children go hungry. So, so at any rate, uh, standards have changed. And museums are looking at their holdings and saying, well, what's, what is the honorable, what is the moral thing to be doing? So when you walk us through the process of, let's say that someone finds remains of something they have a connection to and they have a justified reason to get the remains back, how does that work? Yeah, well, actually... uh, It's not like a hotline. No, (laughs) there's not. Um, The San Diego Museum of Man is kind of in the forefront of this. I guess different museums have different ways of handling this. The local tribes, the Kumeyaay, they have several committees that they've set up to attempt to repatriate remains, to, to bring back uh, to the tribes you know, some of these items that, uh, that for various reasons have been taken over the years. Um, there, there's also a, uh, a person who's on staff at the San Diego Museum of Man. And her job is to build and maintain partnerships with the tribes and to help with this process. So there's a, there's a committee um, that involves people from the museum and from the tribes. They meet, they discuss, well, what, what do you have? I mean, one of the first things the museum had to do was do a complete inventory of all of these remains that they have. They've done that, and now they're attempting to match the remains with the proper, um, with the proper cultural or ethnic group, uh, and see what they want done with them. Now, not everyone wants these remains or these relics back. Uh, I was told at the museum they recently had a visit from Maasai country in Africa. Uh, so this emissary came and saw that you know there were some, there were no human remains, but in this case there were items from uh, burial chambers uh, that had been taken, and so uh, he looked at these and decided that no, they were actually best being kept in the museum. He wasn't going to take them back. Uh, so sometimes that happens. Other times, uh, remains or relics are turned over and then properly you know, buried uh, back on, on tribal lands. Certainly, and it's it's something that, um, as Americans, being the cultural hegemon, it's really hard to imagine, like, an expedition going into, like, you know, the Arlington National Cemetery and taking a veteran. Like, it, that's just something that we can't really understand, but that's what happened, really. Right, and and the museum is saying, well, I mean, if you if you have that scenario, imagine that you went to that government and said, hey, listen, you know, we're doing these studies and what we'd like to do is go to these cemeteries and dig up. And, and the government says, sure, fine, go yeah. ahead. Um, and maybe some money changes hands, whatever. Um, 
One of the interesting things I found about this story is it kind of reflects the shifting position, I think, of the Kumeyaay within our society, within San Diego County society. Mm -hmm. Years ago, and not too many years ago, uh, the Kumeyaay were ignored, they were looked down upon, they weren't consulted. I talked to one Kumeyaay, he's a Kumeyaay historian, who remembers going to the museum as a boy and seeing these exhibits, and the way they were presented to him, the message was, Indians are something that we used to have. Mm-hmm. There used to be Indians in this area. Imagine that. And here's what they looked like. And he's thinking, wait a minute. You know, they're talking about Indians as if they were in the past. They, they don't exist anymore. Um, and they were exotic, right? They weren't like you or me. They were some strange kind of species, and, and they've since gone away. Um, so his take at the time was, I guess I'm not really here, right? Um, now the, the Indians are much more present. Uh, we see this in the commemorations of San Diego's 250th anniversary, where they are taking part and they're telling their side of that story. Uh, and that's really part of what this is about, is like bringing the Kumeyaay into the museum and having them help to tell their story um, to the broader audience. So you can go to the museum. It's not that you won't hear or see anything about the Kumeyaay, but what you'll hear or see will be treated with respect, uh, the respect that you or I would want for our our ancestors, our, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly interesting how just the nature of kind of museums have become, I wouldn't say more academic, but more specific in how they communicate. It seems like the general museum is something of the past, and now people are really focusing on here's this unique thing, here's everything you need to know about it, and giving it the kind of cultural space that it needs to breathe so you can understand it versus like kind of a menagerie of old artifacts. Right, and and in doing that, they're trying to bring in stakeholders and say, well, listen, you know, this is your story. You help us tell it. Tell it in your words. You know, let us, let us hear the authentic, you know, Kumeyaay version. So, for instance, uh, the... The Kumeyaay I cited earlier who thought, uh, you know, that the museum was talking about Indians in the past, he recently curated an exhibit at the Museum of Man about Kumeyaay astronomy. Uh, And the exhibit will, it's currently not on display. Uh, They're doing some work in in the museum, but it'll be, and this this astronomy, this Kumeyaay astronomy exhibit will return to public view within a couple of months. When you were reporting this story, was there any one um, story or fact that you learned that really surprised you? I I was surprised by the number of uh, remains that they do have. Um, You know, much of the museum's holdings are out of sight. They're not on display, and they're never on display. You know, they're there for research purposes. So that surprised me. It also surprised me how... Uh, live a topic this is right now, you know, within some communities. Um, there are some researchers who are worried uh, that this removes uh, some assets that, you know, they could study, could learn more about, um, and would add to our, our knowledge. Uh, 
Kumeyaay argument is, uh, well, actually, you know, we are trying to add to human knowledge, but we're trying to add to it in a way that respects our culture and that, um, you know, which we are part of the story. Mm-hmm. All right. Peter Rowe, thank you so much. My pleasure. In other news, the curse of Clay Kirby reached a new height this week. The San Diego Padres now have gone 8,020 games without a no-hitter. This beats the record that was held by the New York Mets. Dirk Lammers, the editor of the site nonohitters.com, was at the game Thursday, and he witnessed the feat and updated the site on his phone as soon as it happened. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Check out some of our other podcasts, too. The conversation features topical interviews with newsmakers, and Hot Lava is our podcast about all things Padres. Go to sandiegounionjibune.com slash podcasts for more. Until next time.